Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast. Chris and Alan will be sharing unique and raw insight on what it takes to succeed. Both hosts are authors and businessmen and have been mentoring and consulting for their clients for over 50 years with their combined knowledge. So without further ado, we have an exciting show for you today. Let's get started. Hi, it's Christopher Cumbie with Think Bold, Be Bold, and I've got... My friend stepping in for my other friend, Alan Witch, who can't be here today, but Dave Clare is in the house to have a great show with me. Dave, how is it going on down under? Mate, yes, it's going down under. It's like think old, be old for me. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, I'm, uh, I'm really honored to be stepping into the shoes that I cannot fill of Alan. Uh, in his absence, but uh, once again, honored to be here, mate, and uh, participating all the way from down under. It's like 30 degrees out at 1 o'clock in the morning here. It's amazing. Well, uh, you know, I really and that's Celsius again, remember. I, that's I really, Celsius. I really appreciate, you know, um, you know, that you're staying up this late, being uh, 50 uh, and all. Man, how do you do that? Almost. Almost 50. <laughs> Not 50 yet, mate. And it's only a measure how many years you've Happy been on the birthday planet. to yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have a big party. I, I, I'm going to be there in spirit. Um, it sounds like a lot of fun, and there's a lot of uh, great. I'm going to be having spirits. I, I wanted to show. Maybe can, I, can you can you FaceTime me when you're having your party, and I and I can um, yeah. do my hula hula dance. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Can I, can I, <laughs> for sure. Can I jump in on that competition? Absolutely. I would love to see that. I'll record that stuff. We'll put that up. All right. All right. There's do you, one bold do you have a move. big screen? Yeah, exactly. That'll be my big bold move. But um, listen, we're going to have, uh, and you heard her laughing in the background. We've got someone, and I, and I love that there's humor here because uh, she's chiming in, but we haven't even introduced her yet. And I'm really excited to have uh, you know our guest on today. She's got a lot of great things. She's a giver and uh, she's creative. You know, she has an art back background and you can really see it and and feel it most importantly you know i get the unique pleasure right now looking at the background in her office and uh it intrigues me because she has a great goal she has things that's going on in her life that she's going forward with and uh and she's doing and and that's the big thing in life is doing so you know i'm not going to give give it away like i usually always do but uh, i'm going to yes, have an are. opportunity <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to give an opportunity for my uh my co host today Dave Clare to uh, to introduce our guest today and I'm really excited to get into it so let's take it away Dave absolutely uh, and thank you for the honor uh, I'm always uh, reminded of a, a great expression from Texas and our, our, our special guest today is from Texas and it it is it ain't bragging if you've done it <laughs> Amen, and <brother>. this lady <laughs> has done it by reading her bio I'm like wow I just got more letters after her name than there are in the alphabet <laughs> There's uh, got to use some twice. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what an ACC and a CPC. I know what an MBA is. That's a master's in behavior and attitude. Uh, but uh, yeah, the uh, but Sandy Mitchell is our guest today. She's the president and CEO of Apex Leadership Coaching, a firm dedicated to both people and profitability through intentional emphasis on leadership negotiation and emotional intelligence for extraordinary leaders. This is like a song written from my heart. Um, Sandy knows leadership requires more than simply having followers. Her passion is working with high achieving leaders who want to transition from leading followers to leading leaders. Nice. And you know, uh, 
there's so much more I could share, but I don't want to steal Sandy's thunder either. So um, I'll bring the thunder from down under, but I'll let Sandy bring her own thunder. Uh, uh, you know, the big state of Texas. Phenomenal. Amen. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> don't mess with Texas, mate. <laughs> don't you do it. No, so yeah, uh, yeah welcome, Sandy. Uh, so Thank great to have you. Here. Leadership is a subject strong to my heart, so I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is going to yes. be a great show. Sandy Mitchell is in the house. <laughs> oh, yeah. We always have to <laughs> say <laughs> that, yes. Um, Alan and I get a good kick out of it, but uh, certainly Dave um, from Down Under uh, you know, yeah. completely understands it. Uh, it is going to be an exciting show because leadership is something that um, you know, I think everybody needs to take a hold of in their own lives and lead themselves most importantly. Importantly, because a good leader is someone who demonstrates and goes forward with life based on going after their own bold moves and their own bold ideas and their own boldness to go out and, you know, just, you know, do what they love. And, and, and certainly, Sandy, I know you are. I, uh, you know, I caught something when looking through uh, your stuff uh, that I really intrigued because I love art. It's actually a passion of mine. And um, I just love the aspect of all art because, it, you know, it's, it's just a way to be creative and bring the things out in your, your mind that you can just let it go. And, and, and it's such a wonderful thing that, you know, when I watch my children uh, just do stuff and, you know, be, you know, creative in that arts and uh, it just flows so nicely. So you have something really cool, a book of yours called yes. Coloring Outside the lines. Now we're going to get into that, but I just wanted to make mention of that. And then, of course, you were part of the change series, uh, Insights to into Self Empowerment, which is uh, obviously a, a great uh, book series. So we'll talk about those two things. But before we get started, I want to hear, and I know our audience. So audience, get your journals out. Want to make sure you're capturing the golden nuggets especially from our guest today. And in fact, uh, Dave is a guest in some ways, uh, and he certainly has some great wisdom to share. Get out your journals and make sure you're making some uh, great notes because this is the place where you can learn and uh, we wanted to make it accessible for everybody. So Sandy, tell us about your journey. You know, where you started, you know, and where you are now, but most importantly, uh, and maybe not most importantly, but important, uh, you know, to where you're going, what's your vision, you know, for, uh, for what you're working on. Right. Well, I'll give you the cliff notes of the past. I was an art major, a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and uh, my dad made me promise to go into advertising so that I could have <laughs> some sort of a, an income. And, um, and, and, really had a great time uh, doing it. One of the things that I think I learned the most in college being in the arts is that all criticism that comes is criticism of the work and not of you. And the mm. reason that's important is that when I went into corporate America and uh, people started criticizing different things, I found that all the people around me took it personally and it began to play havoc with their um, belief in themselves, which played havoc with their decision-making, which kept them small, whereas I had no fear <laughs> because I realized it wasn't about me. So it, it just reinforced what my mama said when I was little is that, Sandy, Denise, I love you. This behavior I cannot tolerate. So it really helped me separate out from the time I was little that I am separate from my behavior. And uh, adding in criticisms and all the things that the world throws at you, being able to separate those out is huge in your ability to be bold. I love that. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that. 
and, and, and how fitting that you said bold. Because <laughs> that's what this show is about. So thank you, thank you for that. So yes, you know, as you journeyed, um, you know, at the beginning, and and you were an arts uh, major, and uh, did you get into advertising? You, you mentioned that your 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 dad wanted you to do that. Is that something <laughs> that you you know actually went in and did? Uh, I didn't in the my first job, but okay. uh, or a second job, but I when I started my first company. I did. It was an advertising marketing company, and I, I did that for a couple of years. And uh, so, so I, at least I got to feel vindicated that <laughs> right. my math, my undergraduate degree actually had something to do with a, a company. Sure. So then you um, – what was your epiphany about what you're doing now? Like that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah. From from that perspective, and and you've got some really great things, and we're going to get into all that. We're going to let everybody know how they can, you know, work with you, find you, um, within all the social medias and all the things you're involved in. But tell us, tell us about that, Sandy. Yeah. So uh, the my first business, just I'll, I'll make this real quick. My first business, um, I was just superb in the whole art area of it, <laughs> the sales piece. It's the whole business side, you know, sending invoices, things like that. Um, and realizing I, I had two of my biggest clients that made up 85% of my business uh, went bankrupt within a week of each other, two totally different industries. And, uh, and so that threw me back into uh, the work world. And I went to work for a company. Uh, I thought I would be there for a year to because I didn't want to go bankrupt myself. Felt like it was my duty to pay the vendors. And 17 years later, I left that other company four careers inside that company. And the last career, I created, uh, they gave me the opportunity to create a corporate university inside the technology department. So by the time I left, um, I had 4,200 people in 46 countries. And I'm not technical, so I hired all the technical trainers around the world. I focused on leadership and on team dynamics, business skills, things like that. And what I found is I was doing more and more coaching of the leaders and loving it, absolutely loving it, really being able to affect change in, in a leader's life, thus in their team's life. And, uh, and so when I went off my own, I just did the same thing that I did there uh, on my own. So I really focus in on leaders who are that C-suite to mid-management level and, uh, and from an entrepreneurial perspective, the business owners. And I really love that, that level when you have to stop doing everything yourself, being a glorified individual contributor, where you have to rely on your people to be leaders themselves. Right. That's a huge shift in leadership mm. skills. Love it. Amazing. Amazing. And, um, you know, that, you know, real focus for you has obviously created some amazing things. Your platform is, you know, just incredible in the services that you provide and the partners mm-hmm. you have and the products and, and, and different things. So, so kudos on that. I love that. Thank um, you. you really went after it and, 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 you, and you applied, which was really cool. You applied a lot of your transferable skills. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, uh, Dave, you, uh, you awake? Oh, man, I'm, I'm still awake okay, down there. I, just, here. I wanted to make sure you're still awake down there. I'm scribbling like mad here, <laughs> Well, I mean, this is, uh, you know, something that's obviously passionate to yourself, Dave, because this Absolutely. Is a lot of what you do in Australia and, mm. you know, around the world mm. um, in terms of what uh, services uh, and, and not only that, your, your leadership, um, 
you know, that you've provided to a lot of companies mm. in that, you know, C-suite as well and, and really empowering uh, uh, the leaders of companies uh, to help, you know, the people that work for them uh, be the best that they can be. Uh, you know, mm. we see a direct, and this is one of the things that I saw, you know, just through uh, doing similar stuff, but, you know, slightly different um, than you guys. But I saw the parallel from personal growth to the growth of the company, whether it be an entrepreneur, whether it be a leader uh, in a company, you know, uh, that being a CEO or some C-suite as well. Um, most of the times my work was done around the actual sales groups and uh, working with the, you know, vice presidents of sales and, and directors of sales and so forth and so on. And a, a lot of sales people that I, when they really dove in on their personal growth, it was a true reflection mm. in the things that they were able to accomplish in the business that they did and or are doing and just amazing that that parallel so that's a lot of what inspired me to write um the things that i've learned on my entrepreneur journey called the success playbook which you know again is the the journal i you know i i again the audience get out your journals because that's where you're going to really find uh, what I call facts of life that hide from us because there's a lot of opinion. Right. And in fact, even a fact is an opinion, but it holds some truth when you dive in and you find out where it's coming from, most importantly. And, you know, with our guest today, uh, Sandy, you know, she is offering up stuff that she's learned right through all the different things that she's done. And she certainly has a lot of uh, credibility, um, just amazing stuff that you're working on. Now, uh, Dave, I know you're itching. You've got, yep. uh, I hear your pen actually <laughs> scratching on the pad. Uh, oh. you've got, <laughs> you've got I'm just putting them all in order, all these questions I've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot. Uh, fire away, okay. my friend. So, um, first, I just love, if you affect the leader, you affect the team. Yes. Um, totally, absolutely. And uh, you'd be very familiar uh, with the saying, you know, if you want to grow your business, you've got to grow your people. Absolutely. But I believe that that is totally flawed uh, because you have to grow yourself first yep. to grow your team, to grow your business as a leader. So what right. you're working on in that space, um, where you talk about affect the leader, affect the team, that, that to me just resonates so beautifully with that. And, okay. and then I'm going to get to the question right now as I lead into it. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned our leadership skills, but I look at um, leadership more as an uh, EQ versus IQ. Yeah. And so leadership skills, how much of leadership do you really believe is actually the, the skills versus the attitudes, the habits of thinking of the people who lead people? Um, you know, because, you know, I, I would love to get your insights in that space. You know, leadership skills are great and, and, you know, they should be developed. But developing the right attitudes of leadership, which is that EQ component, I think when you talk about leading and to cultivate other leaders, because to me, leadership's role is very simple. You, you, you know, you lead people and the whole point is to cultivate other leaders. Absolutely. So can you, can you talk into that skills versus attitudes component within the leadership structure? Oh, yes. I, I can't remember where I read it, if it was Forbes or some other, mm. some other study years ago. But they said when you're an individual contributor, you need 85% IQ and 15% mm. EQ. The moment you get that manager title, it flips. Mm. And that's a hard flip for people because the EQ and, – and there's some people who think you know emotional intelligence is kind of this woo-woo Mm. You know, namby pamby stuff, and and here's the the real truth about it, and you'll see this in my 
my coloring book, is that uh, it's all about your ability to create those relationships and to problem solve and to reality test in order to come up with better solutions. The more you can influence and work with other people, the more you get this um, quicker response to problems that come up. Mm. I, I think I think emotional intelligence is huge in a leader. Yeah, absolutely, and that's where I, I think it speaks to the attitudes of the leader rather than just the skill sets. And I think I, I agree with you that flip happens. You know, and whether it be management or from, I, I see it strong, and I, I'd love your opinion on this as well. Then, you know, there's people we talk about leadership, and then we talk about management. Yes. What do you see as the fundamental difference in those? Because you know, it's great to say, "Oh, yeah, I, I manage," but I, I don't believe we manage people. We manage resources, and we lead people. Exactly. So can you can you talk to that? Yeah, I think uh, people who have just because you have a management title doesn't mm. mean you're a leader, right? People who get that management title or people who manage are ones that are focused more on the task and the processes, right? Mm. They're focused on what do we need to get done. A leader, on the other hand, focuses on what we need to get done, but they focus more so on why are we doing it and who do we need to get involved and developed so that they can manage the process and the task. So it becomes Mm. the self-perpetuating uh, cycle. Uh, that's the big thing. When I when I start coaching with someone, my very first session with them is as soon as you start getting coaching, you're going to Zoom. So your first homework is to identify two to three other people who are uh, below you so that you can start coaching them. The information that you get from our coaching sessions, you begin developing them. My home, mm-hmm. One of the things that... Um, that Chris asked me earlier was, you know, why, why are you doing this? And, the, and a big part of that for me is that I want to, I want to help build conscious leaders who turn around and grow other conscious leaders. I want to really build this cycle. And then coming from the bottom up, I also, mm-hmm. I want to create a foundation. I'm in the process of putting it together now that uh, it's called Apex Leadership Foundation. And the, the whole idea behind it is that I want girls around the world to be able to go to school. And barriers that come up, like human trafficking, other things that are coming up, not being able to go to school because you don't have books or clothes for it. I want to be able to to have girls go to school because if you do that, then they can change the culture in their family, which can change the culture in their villages and their cities, which can change the consciousness of the world. So you, if, by being able to change the consciousness of the leaders from above and the, the girls from below who are changing it from the family infrastructure. Imagine what our world could be like. I would Amazing. love that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in fact, this is, this is, you know, what I want to happen. And I know if enough of us want this to happen and give the tools. And, you know, listen, we talked a little bit um, before, Sandy, about rising billions. Yes. And, you know, the people uh, here in North America and some developed countries have really been sitting on our hands. But the rising billions have no astigmatism to things so that they're going to be coming into the world looking for opportunities, tools to change, you know, to your point about villages and things that, you know, we Mm. just don't even know about in the most cases in in North America, but some of the cultures. But, you know, the the women, you know, do a lot around the homes there. In fact, most things, Um, you know, I know it's changed a little bit in our culture and and men are doing, you know, much more um, and, and we should be. But at the same time, in those developed countries, 
countries and the rising billions and 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 that concept you know you're just music to the ears right now because i'm really (laughs) listening in on those things because this is what this show is intended to be is to think bold and be bold on a grand level and a global level where again this is accessible through itunes your voice is going to meet those people in those Mm -hmm. villages you're talking their language right now and it just gave me that chill right through when you started talking about that and 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 thank you for that and we want you to be part of that there's so many things that we're going to work on and uh, i'm just you know, amazing, amazing content. I wanted to jump in there at that point. So, you know, continue, please. Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's so much that can be done, right, from a leadership perspective. When you, when you look at your role as a leader, many, many people think that they are constrained by the rules, by the corporation, by the entrepreneurial business, right? But the thing about being a leader is that you have that fearlessness. Fearlessness has become my word for the year. And fearlessness is not about being without fear. Those people are a little bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) I think fearlessness is about recognizing opportunities in the midst of the fear. It's being able to move beyond, you know, um, uh, Roosevelt saying that there's nothing to fear but fear itself is so true because all those things I talked about earlier about those voices that can get into your head, it it so affects the people that I work with. All, all, everyone that I work with are high-performing, high-achieving, high-confidence, and yet there is something, that voice that's still in their head that says, oh my gosh, if they only knew. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not smart wow. enough, I'm not. Yeah. And so, so just being able to shift that so that the, I call it the inner genius voice, you know, you, you may call it the bold voice in your head, but I I, love the genius. I I love you got the inner critics and the inner genius and the inner critics are so loud. Mm -hmm. So if you can listen, you know, here's Chris, have you ever been in, you or or Dave, have y'all ever been in athletics before? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like whether it's an arena or a basketball or soccer or whatever, that you've got all of these people around and they're yelling and screaming and it's so loud. And yet in the middle of all that, you can still hear the voice of your coach. Mm-hmm, That's because absolutely. You, you have attuned your mind to be able to hear your coach. That's what I'm trying to do is help people attune their mind to their inner genius. I love that. So that in the midst of all of the chaos, all of the noise, they can still hear that voice that says, be bold, you can do this. Be bold, you can do this. Wow. Um, I'm just loving you know, the sound of this and, and tuning into that um, you know, because the world is noisy. There's yes. a lot yeah. of things going on, and um, especially with the introduction that you know we didn't have growing up um, for all of us, and, and especially Dave, <laughs> man, you're <Yeah. laughs> man, you're old. Wow, <laughs> what did you do back there with uh, you know the days of the cart, cart and pony? Yeah, the horse and cart. That's when we used carrots and sticks for incentive and fear motivation. Mate. You know, uh, let me just get on my abacus and just work out how old I actually yeah, am. Hang yeah. on a second. <laughs> Yeah, no. This is uh, this. We need it. I was around when they had the you know the uh, Commodore sixty four yes, came out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Th- <laughs> what do they call that now? The throwback. <laughs> yeah. It's a 
enemies. My yeah, car right? still has an eight track. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, recognizing <laughs> opportunities, fate when you know when faced with fear. I love that. Um, now, now I know why Alan buggers off every now and again. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> he does. He does. He goes to the washroom right in the middle of the show, and <laughs> does, he like, beep? I, does he beep I, before I, he does I, it? No. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, um, you know. <laughs> Now I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> no, it's all good. I know exactly where I am. And, you know, recognizing, you know, the opportunities when faced with fear. I love that part of mm. being fearlessness or using fearlessness as leaders. You know, you said something, they feel constrained. And I, and I just want to talk about a couple of stats. And, and, and it's probably because of some of these stats that you, uh, you, you talk about. And Dave, I've heard you in your presentations talk about a lot of these, you know, stats. And some of them are, are, are probably from a couple of years ago. But still probably hold true today just because the needle hasn't moved quite uh, as much as we'd all like to see but i think it is moving and that's a good thing Mm -hmm. and it's because of the work like yourself sandy and 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 kudos to that to getting out there getting in the heads of these uh executives and helping them see and tune in you know with you know when 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 the noise is going on and i know exactly when i wrestled Man, you you know when you're in there, all these people are cheering and things are happening, and you're in there. But I can always hear my coach, you know, because he was telling me things that I I was in tune to that was going to help me within the experience that I was in, and right. and I get that completely. Fifty two percent of employees are not engaged. I mean, seventy. Well, it's, oh yeah, it's much higher than it's 52. Mu- okay, so I'm just yeah, going they say, off. They say about 13 percent are fully. Wow. So, so let yeah. me let me tell you, I'm looking at an old stat. So it's gone up oh, in yeah. terms yeah, of 2015 okay. stats or 2014-15 stats would say that 68 percent are totally disengaged, and then there's another bunch that are disengaged, and that leaves about what Sandy said about 13 percent which are engaged, yeah. and even the leadership stats about leaders who are disengaged. Is ridiculous. Okay, so yes. that being said, people leading the disengaged got disengaged, leading the disengagement. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, wow, that's a lot yeah. of disengagement. No wonder you get a cycle of, of noise, right? Right, and, and yeah. absolutely, and everybody else doing everything other one than what they should be doing, and 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 really uh, trying to move the needle the other way. And and so, let me ask you a question based on all those stats. And sorry, I threw out a you know a, a wrong or maybe a stat that used to be. Um, mm. So not a wrong stat, but it's just an old stat. Yeah. Um, what are we supposed to do about it, Sandy? You know, like in, in, in your profession and, you know, working with um, executives, what what's happening with those executives right now? What What do you see as, you know, you've worked with them, the transition that's happening and the effect that it's actually having now to bring those numbers back into a, a, a much better, um, you know, proportion? Well, I focus a lot on strengths-based leadership, being able to focus on what you're really good at um, instead of what's wrong with everything. Uh, You think about our grading system. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's the same in in Australia, but our our grading system, our evaluation system at work, everything is based on uh, what have you not achieved, right? You start Mm. off perfect and you go down from perfect, Uh, whereas if you focus on your strengths, that's what differentiates you from anyone else. And that's what I love about strengths-based leadership. I, I love it about emotional intelligence is that you focus in on where you are good. When I, when I teach strengths-based, um, a finder, one of the things that I, I love about this is that 
you as a leader need to figure out what you're really good at and what you are okay at and what you're not good at. And then a strong leader is someone who has a team that makes up people who are strong in your weaknesses, right? Mm. So you have a balance. Uh, too many people hire people who are just like them, which uh, makes some of you yeah. uh, unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so if, if you can focus in on where your strengths are, then um, then that really helps your engagement. And you think about, you know, your teams. If your people are playing in something that they get, they get lost in it because they're so excited about it, right? Those teams actually are the teams that end up working longer and harder and having more fun. They're more loyal. They're more productive. They are more aligned. And people want to get on those teams, but it starts with the leader. What kind of relationships have you built with your team? What kind of projects do you give them that plays to their strengths? How do you challenge them to build their strengths? Too many people focus in on their weaknesses and they spend all their time trying to learn and enhance their weaknesses when you only get incremental growth focusing on that. You get exponential growth if you focus on your strengths. I love that. So you want Yes. Incremental growth with weaknesses, exponential growth with strengths. So if you focus on your um, weaknesses, you want to do that enough so that your weaknesses are not a detriment to your career. Gotcha. You don't need yeah. to go any further than that. Right. Focus right. on your strengths. Right. And, and, and be aware of some of those things, but at the same time, continue to, uh, to, to really work on what you're good at or your genius, as you uh, ha- have said many times. Yeah. That strength-based leadership is just uh, incredible, and, and I love that. I love that shift because the more we shift that old thought you know, into new thought, the world will shift with that and we'll see the needle move. Dave, I know, you know, this is, this is your world, man. So <laughs> what do you, what, like, listen, let's get a question out there. What are you doing? Okay. So loving the strengths, uh, and this can be pretty hard to do, uh, from an audio point of view, but imagine pie. I love pie. So I if, love if I had a pie in front of me that was, uh, you know, say I'll, I'll do it in American measures, 12 inches in diameter, right? And I had another pie that was six inches in diameter. And I said you could have 10% of either pie, and you loved pie. Which one would you take 10% of? Both the pies. Big one. Yeah, the big <laughs> pie. Both, yeah. Amen, yeah. Chris. Chris, yeah. D- yeah depends what, depends yeah. what kind of pie. What kind? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for the Sorry, thing, Dave. So, if, yeah, it's quite right, mate. But, if you're going to increase your, if you want to take 10% or you want to grow 10%, growing your strengths by 10% or growing your weaknesses by 10%, a 10% improvement, right. you're going to get the bigger improvement through growing your strengths. And I think that's what yeah. Sandy's really talking about here. From And so, phenomenal thing. Um, and, and, and certainly from a leadership point of view, when you talk about building leaders, that's about cultivating you know, the others below you. To, to, and I don't like to look because I don't, I don't work in hierarchies in my mind, but from an org chart perspective, helping lift those yes. other people up, and I love that. So my question is, what key tools can you offer or, or do you suggest that a leader can use to create greater engagement from the people that they're cultivating and become leaders? You know, obviously, as followers or leaders, wherever they're at at the moment, but what tools can I, as a leader, use to create greater engagement in my team? Well, I, I'm a huge assessments person. I just, I love it. And, and not because I think any assessment is 
the be all end all itself, but because of the conversations that come out of it. Like when I teach Strengths Finder or emotional intelligence or any of these other things that I teach, my preference is to do it with the intact team. Uh, and the mm. leader involved, right? Because that way, everybody gets the language at the same time. Everybody gets the understanding at the same time. And it's easier for the team to move forward instead of falling back into their old patterns if one person takes it, even if that one person's the leader, right? Mm. So if you get the whole team to do it. So I, I think StrengthsFinder 2.0 is a fantastic um, tool. I think Here's some things that you can do that don't cost anything. Uh, one of the things, I, I call it uh, Management 101. One of the things I love to do when, when managers are coming into an intact team is uh, about three to six months into your new management is to have a um, – do a survey of the people. And it's, it's usually easier to have somebody from the, a third party do it. So it could be another yeah. manager or something. And, and answer questions like – what do you know about your manager? What do you want to know? What do you want him to know about you? What do you want him to know or her to know about your team? And mm. uh, what direction do you think the team is going in? And then you have the manager to, or the leader turn around and answer similar questions, but then also answer questions like, what is it like to uh, to work with me? What are my uh, what are my idiosyncrasies? What are my pet peeves? How do I like to be communicated with? And then give all the answers to the others. But being able to just those few questions about this is who I am and this is how here, here's your Sandy Mitchell 101. This is how to work mm -hmm. with me. But then the leader's responsibilities to find out what is it what is it like from the other person's perspective to work with them. How do they like to be communicated with? What are yeah. their pet peeves? What are their strengths? Where do they want to go? So that you, when you build those relationships, and some leaders say, oh, that takes too much time. But here's the thing. <laughs> the more you can build those relationships, the faster and the more your people will trust you when you're taking them into the fire. Because there are times we all have to take our people into the fire, right? So yeah. I think. I think building the relationships is a huge, great start for all that. No, it's interesting because, and I, I, I thank you for that answer. Uh, I look at, imagine if it was a customer, we would want to find that level of information out about our customers. Mm -hmm. Yes. And have that level of engagement with our customers and that level of relationship with our customers. How do we start to get leaders to see their team as their customers? Because we think, oh, it's our job to lead them, therefore, you know, they don't, you know, that goes back to the old leader with a servant's heart, if you like. Um, but to me, I, you know, I really challenge leaders, and I'd love to get your insights on this one as well, is how do we get our leaders to start, like, serving their people? Yeah. Isn't that funny? Um, I, I teach some leadership and negotiation courses for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. And yeah. one of the exercises that we have them do, which I think is really fun, is that we have them make a list of all their employees and they answer a couple of questions. And one of the questions is, what motivates your this employee, right? Because it's a, a table. Um, the next question is, um, what strengths and weaknesses do they have? And the third question is, why do they work for you? Mm -hmm. Because they could work for anybody else, but why you? Right. And what What's surprising for the entrepreneurs, because many of them feel like it's they're working for me because they need money, right? For most employees, it's not about the money. 
It's about the challenge. It's about the the opportunities. It's about learning something new. It's about something else. And typically, if it becomes about money, it's because some other need is not being met. Right. So the more you can get your leaders to look at your employees, they're not robots. They're not cogs in the wheel. They are here to make sure that what gets done gets done well. One, uh, I yeah. was talking to a leader the other day, and I don't know if you can tell. The, the, pretend this is a, a pyramid, right? So I'm at the bottom as the leader yeah. of the pyramid, and then I've got all these layers of leaders in between mm. me, and at the very top are all the people who are working on it, right? Mm. It's upside down because I am supporting my leaders who are supporting their leaders who are supporting their leaders who are supporting the people. Right. The people yeah. aren't supporting me. If I took out layers of leaders, would the business continue? Absolutely. If I took yeah. out the workers, would the business continue? No. Right. So recognizing who's supporting whom is really important. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And if you look at the, the economy contracting at the moment all around the world, I know it's definitely happening here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are making roles redundant and all this sort of stuff. And I, I've had this argument almost. So I call it an argument because it frustrates the crap out of me. And I can't swear on this show. So um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just beep out. Just, Aussie's about to go wild down under here. Watch out. <laughs> the, uh, uh, it, I challenge the leader as to how did you allow that person to perform so poorly for so long in your eyes and not do anything about it? Right. When do you step in and take ownership of it as the leader? You know, you you lead the people. So when are you going to take ownership? Because I reckon as organizations, you can only get to your point where so many people who are actually doing the work. So the next person who's got to go is going to have to be one of the leaders. On, on a professional sports team, you know, who's the first person who gets cut? The coach. Coach. Right? So yeah. coach, you ain't coaching. <laughs> <laughs> no bragging because you ain't done it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, and I, I love that. And you, you, you would know very well that the number one reason why people leave an organization is the relationship with their direct supervisor. Exactly. So, so they come so in because of the company, they leave because of yeah. the manager. Yeah. That's right. So, what do people have to start doing differently? Because I, I get tired of people trying to do it better. It's like better is not good enough anymore. You've got to do it different. Sandy, give us what's different. What can we start doing differently to change these statistics from 68 or whatever percent and bring that, flip it on its head and turn it the other way over? I think there's a couple of things that need to happen. One, the leader themselves needs to be so crystal clear about what the vision is. And they need to be able to communicate. It's called a vision because you should be able to see it, right? Yes. So they need to be able to communicate that vision enough so that the people not only buy into the vision, but they own it. When mm. they can own it, then everybody is aligned in the same direction. And then when the owner, when the leader sees the vision and the leader sees what all the strengths and weaknesses are of their people, then they can ensure that as we're moving this boat along uh, or this rocket ship, <laughs> whichever <laughs> one we happen to be on, um, that they are making sure that everybody plays in their sandbox. Everybody pays in their strength box, right? Because the more you can play in your strengths, the more you want to play, which makes you more productive. Can can somebody give me uh, when I when I was working at the company that I was at before, I was chief of staff of legal and of HR, uh, legal for about ten years, HR for about a year, and uh, finance kept trying to pull me into the finance department because that was part of my job. I knew if they had pulled me into finance, my soul would have shriveled up and died, 
right? So I could be on the right team, but in the wrong role. So the, it's the leader's responsibility. Thank God for my leader, who was my great mentor, because he helped me see what it means to stand up for what you want. If you are the employee and you're not getting what you want, how do you ask for, look, I'm really strong in this. How many times have you been in a job and you've progressed up and people still see you as that old job? Right? I have, peop- I have mm. leaders who started out as, as assistants, secretaries at the time, right? And, and some people still see them as secretaries and not as the leader that they are. Right. So it's, it's you who can change perceptions, right? Playing to your strengths, showing them what you can do. So it goes both ways. It's not just about the leader reaching out and giving you a hand. It's about you saying, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is where I'm going, which is what the millennials do. You don't give it to me, I'm moving on. That's right. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, the work, uh, you know, the world of um, corporations have to start, you know, figuring out how to deal with that. And uh, they're challenged with that because they don't know how to communicate um, in that arena. So, um, yeah. but good points. And, and thank you for pointing out to the uh, people listening uh, on what they can do if they are in this situation and certainly, um, you know, we appreciate that. Now, I want to go to something I started with um, just to make sure that, uh, you know, we highlight, uh, you know, these are wonderful things, by the way. All the things you're talking about are so important. But I do want to get into your book, Coloring Outside yeah. the Lines. I love the title. I, I love the <laughs> Because that's how, Chris, that's how Chris colors. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I, I pretty much my whole life is uh, I've been inside the lines or, or outside that box. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you know, I beat, I, I walk to the beat of my own drum. And, Good for you. Um, you know, coloring outside the lines. Tell us, uh, you know, Sandy, about that book. It sounds so intriguing. Oh, it is so much fun. So I, I told you a big part of my work is around emotional intelligence with leaders. And, uh, and you know, they, the perennial they, said that to be seen as an expert, you need to write a book. And I let my inner critics say, oh my gosh, Daniel Goleman, Richard Boyatzis, all these people who are writing emotional intelligence books, why in the world, <laughs> what could I say, right? But what I found in my um, speaking, in my coaching, in my training, that people are like, yeah, yeah, we understand emotional intelligence. What we don't know is how to apply it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got the great, a great idea. So I started creating this. Um, so here's here's the book. Um, it's actually called Coloring Outside the Lines: A Grown-Up's Creative Guide to Increasing Emotional Intelligence. So I I have uh, I got the license to the 15 skills under emotional intelligence EQI, and so there's each page has two pages. Uh, the f- first page are all these questions. And um, a quote and a list of the um, of the EQI skills. But the last question is always about what can you do today. And then as I was doing it, because I'm a kind of a neuroscience geek, I realized, oh my gosh, if I connect <laughs> the right side of the brain with the left side of the logic, so you get a richer answer. So as you're coloring on the right, you're thinking about the questions on the left, and you you get so much more out of this. So it's really a great way to see where are you already um, showing up in emotional intelligence? Where can you increase? And what are you going to do today? I love it. I, I yeah. Mm. It's just a, uh, an incredible way to uh, approach it. And, and that is your gift. 
Yes. So you did give to the world something other than, you know, obviously the gurus in, in EQ. And I love that idea. So Dave, yeah. when you, you should start using this book, my friend, because um, you need yeah. to improve that EQ. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think my EQ is really high. It's my IQ that I need. Because uh, I'm referred to as an idiot savant, actually. The, um... Just focus on the savant. I love it. Yes. Yeah. The, that's, uh, that's no, I see point. the creative component. I think uh, that's what to me. Once again, it's it's about being different, and that that's where the, the creative component comes from. And you know, Chris does as, and I would challenge a lot of people today. It's time to start breaking the rules, but it's knowing which rules to break. Right. Love that. You know, and uh, it might be a lot of the rules are actually the ones that are in your head. For Absolutely. Sure. It's your rules that you might need to break. The ones that, you know, the, the patterns that you've developed about how things should be and the way things should look and how I should lead and, yep. you know, um, how my organization should be structured. I'll throw all that crap out. Color outside the lines with your organizational <laughs> chart for crying out loud, people, please. I, I love that. And, you know, again, um, one of the things that I believe um, is so important is, you know, to take responsibility for the things you want in your life. You know, we tend to, you know, to your point, Sandy, about earlier, you know, relying on people, um, you know, in leadership roles. Um, and if you don't tell them what you want, they won't know for one. And right. uh, most importantly, just that responsibility for what is in front of you is absolutely something that you can change. And, you know, if you don't like it, you're not a tree, right? Uh, I believe Jim Rohn says that, you know, if you're mm. not a tree, you can move. Yes. Um, you have that opportunity to do what you want. And, and we are seeing people flip around and do things and, you know, just because they're not being fulfilled in those arenas. Um, but they can be. And I once heard a stat, and I'd like to get you guys uh, as experts in leadership. Um, you know, and, and, <laughs> Let's um, see if you get this one right, Sandy. And, yes, let me see if I can get this one right. I, did, I won't even tell you what the number is. I'll leave the number okay. out. But I did um, you know, hear once that uh, most people just want autonomy. You know, yeah. they want that ability to, um, you know, be creative and learn mm. as to your point. They want to absorb. They want to be able to affect, um, but they don't get enough of that. Is that, is that something that's true? Yeah. Sandy. You want me to answer first? Yes, yeah. please. You're, yeah, you're, I'm, the, I'm yes. you're the expert. <laughs> you're the expert I was referring to. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think... I think people can absolutely find it inside of corporations. I did, right? But I think it's it's the moment you can start building trust, that's when you start getting more autonomy. And, and you know, Gen Z is coming into the business world now. They've just start, turned 21. Millennials have already turned 35. So we, we keep talking about millennials, but we already have a new generation that's coming into the workforce. The Z, yeah. And the Gen Z are hugely entrepreneurial. They believe that, I think, um, let's see, I don't remember what the statistics are, but they say um, like f almost 48% of them um, believe that they're going to have their own company. And, and it's really about that autonomy. It's about that ability to make your own decisions. And the thing is, you can do that inside or outside of a company as long as you've built those relationships and you've built the legacy of making good decisions. Mm. Hmm. And you know, and that is uh, really when Chris, you talk about autonomy, and that, and what Sandy's talking about here is that yeah, be able to make great decisions. And uh, to me, autonomy and, and with the teams that I lead and things like that, it's it's allowing my people to be free to think, free yes. to think, yes. yes, yeah, freedom to think. So the key then to freedom to think is is you got to be able to trust the people 
uh, to make the right decisions, right? And that trust comes from a, a set of core values because that's, you, you talked about Sandy with, uh, you know, making better decisions. So the better decisions the team can make, the more I can trust them, the more I can trust them, the more they're free to think. And, and, and that, what you captured there is, is beautiful. And that comes from, you know, and what's going to take your insights on this absolutely is, as a leader, every single opportunity I have, I either bring the values into a conversation with the team or I start with the values because that's the habits of thinking of the team, which then allows me to trust them and build onto that freedom thing. Because I think that brings it right back to the autonomy, is people want that autonomy. So Chris is right, even though he didn't pull a number out in statistics, which is fine. But, <laughs> you know, but you know, as I say, long gone are the days and you know where it was you know manual labor and we did things with our hands and then we did things with our heads now we're doing things with our hearts but you know and the heart is the new brain um so you know we're paying people you know for all that to be used not just do you know because technology has taken over all the route procedures and processes and all that sort of stuff so um you know so can you talk a little bit about you know values as a leader and 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 your experience with that yeah, I, this is one of the things that I teach all the time is that you as the leader are creating the culture in your company whether you mean to or not, whether it's intentional or accidental, yep. right? And you and use the word so, intentional actually up in your yes. thing a lot, and I've had that highlighted since the very beginning, Yeah. so I love that. Yeah, well, I tell people all the time, you can have accidental success or you can mm. have intentional success. Intentional success is what going is what is going to c- create sustainability in your success, mm. right? Once you understand how you accidentally became successful, then you can do it again. And yeah. and I think that, you know, understanding the the values that um, that you have that the company has that your people have and are they aligned? Typically, when I work with people that there's some sort of dissonance inside of them, they're not sure what it is, it mm-hmm. always, almost always goes back to there is a, a difference in values um, yeah. that's, that's being violated for them. And, and I think that's huge when you can get alignment in vision and values and, um, and in bel- uh, the, the way you approach things. Um, I have to be really careful with that because diversity of thought, I think, is huge in success. But it's yes. it's about your willingness to l- – let me say it this way. So the, when I say your approach, it's that willingness to be bold, to step out, to think beyond. And Because one of the things you talked about is thinking. So many people, especially when the leaders are disengaged and the people are disengaged, uh, thinking kind of goes out the wayside, right? They do mm. – what they need to do to go on. And so many leaders don't give their people the opportunity to think. They, as the leaders, become the bottleneck because everything has to run through me, right? I have to approve everything. I have to see everything, which means I, as the employee, don't have to think. It also means I have no responsibility and no accountability because you're the one that tells me what to do. So that's part of your job as leader is to step Mm. back. Let them fail forward, but failing forward means what are you learning from this? Which means you're teaching them, I value thinking. Yeah, and then you lose um, the ultimate power that creates innovation if yeah. you limit the thinking of your people. Absolutely. You know, the more you constrain the thinking, the less innovation you're going to get. Right. And, you know, and therefore, you're not maximizing the performance. Um, and, the, and I know you talk a lot about this performance and productivity of your people. Um, and, you, and you're paying, you know, if you pay someone, you know, 80 grand a year or whatever, and then you, you know, constrict that, <laughs> but you're wasting that money. Yeah, And absolutely. it's because of your leadership, not because of the person. You're, you're stopping them. I always say it's like telling a child to grow and putting your hand on their head 
right. to push it down. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, what, what are you doing? You know, so. Absolutely. And, you know, and I love that you, know, you talk about culture, and, you know, and we all know the famous quotes of culture eating strategy for breakfast and that. Um, but can you, can you expand on that a little bit um, for the listeners out there then? You know, culture is the soul, the DNA of your yeah. business. Um, how can a leader go about building that culture apart from values? What else can they bring to the table to intentionally create well, the culture? I think a lot of it comes from the stories that you tell. Right. Mm. So you think about a family. When a family gets together for meals, uh, holidays, right? I know my family, uh, we start telling stories. And, and those stories reinforce who we see ourselves as. And so in you think of companies like Zappos, right? The stories yeah. that they tell. I mean, they even have books on uh, stories that their employees tell. When you can focus those stories in on the type of culture that you are and you want to be, that reinforces it for all the new people that are coming in because what could happen if you don't is all of these new people that are coming in from all these different cultures, they can change your culture, which could be a good thing or a bad thing based mm. on uh, if they come from a negative environment, a non-thinking, non-producing environment. So being able to, to show them, look, we're the kind of company, Zappos, right? We're the kind of company who values customer service above everything. We're yeah. the kind of company who values people who are loyal and happy and engaged and love what they do. So those kinds of stories that help reinforce that culture makes it even stronger. And that's what helps a company go uh, 100 years, 150 years and more. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, we can talk all uh, day, and uh, <laughs> yes, this is again, you know this is obviously a great um, subject, and you know for the audience and uh, basically the people here learning uh, about the things that they can affect in their own worlds. Um, just such great information. So thank you, Sandy, for that, and, and thank you, Dave, mm. uh, for you know being here and and, and filling in uh, for Alan, uh, who's such a slacker right now. But um, yeah. anyway, the. <laughs> Just geez, Alice, it's two thirty in the morning here. What are you doing? <laughs> right? You know, geez. Exactly. And uh, hey, listen, Sandy, we really appreciate. It. Will you come back uh, online uh, with us uh, again? I would love to. Thank okay. you. Mm. Well, thank you for that. So let uh, everybody know in the audience how they can uh, get a hold of you. Um, you know, in the in the world of the Internet of Things, and then uh, <laughs> I want to come back and ask you one quick question, and uh, we'll have to wrap it up. Excellent. So earlier this year, I changed or I did a DBA. So my company name now is Apex Leadership Mastery because coaching is simply a tool uh, in my business. And so you can reach out to me online at apexmastery.com or sandy, S-A-N-D-I, at mastery.com or go to my Twitter, Coach Sandy, S-A-N-D-I-M, as in Mitchell. Awesome. And Sandy, before Chris asks a question, can you just quickly share with everybody, APEX stands for something, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's actually the process that I use. So mm. uh, A is for awareness, because I believe as a leader, if you cannot become self-aware, then you cannot lead. Uh, P is for performance. This is where the IQ piece comes in. Not only do you know where you're going, but you know how you're going to get there. It's the strategy of things. Um, the X, uh, APE, the E is for excellence. Um, how do you handle things? Are you handling them in a way that's excellent? And then the uh, X is for extraordinary leadership. 
How do you go beyond? It's that stretch goal, right? This is the part where you turn around and you are developing conscious leaders uh, who are coming up behind you. Yes. Thank you for doing that. And um, tell us one bold move. We always love to leave this show with something uh, from your genius zone that you can share with our audience that can really affect their life um, right now in um, in whatever that is. It could be something we've already talked about um, or it could be something that um, you want to share and, and leave everybody with. Yeah, the big thing for me is to say yes to that thing that scares you the most. Mm. So That's bold. Starting my yes. business, it was writing the book. Say yes to the thing that scares you the most. It scares you the most. So I should say yes to sharks? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Shark bait. Brouhaha. Good luck. That's, that's my nickname. Yeah. Uh, and you should be as, uh, afraid of those, uh, Dave, in, in your neck of the woods, definitely. Yes. Uh, they <laughs> Not seem so much to, in Texas. Yeah. Uh, you talked about uh, being surrounded. Um, mm. <laughs> you're actually surrounded with sharks. Um, yeah, we do that to keep everybody out. Yes. <laughs> Say yes to uh, the thing that scares you the most. Yeah, um, thank you. you know, that is very powerful, and, and that is a bold move. And thank you, Sandy, mm. for being here. Thank you, Dave, for filling in. Um, oh, my pleasure. We had such a, well, we had so much fun, and, and, and you know, I always okay. like to throw out the digs, especially that you're turning <laughs> 50. Um, yeah. That said, um, and, 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 that's, and that's great, and happy birthday to you. Hey, listen, thank audience, you. thank you so much for being here and uh, listening in to Sandy Mitchell. Uh, go take Sandy up on uh, her offer uh, to come connect with her and, and have her help, you, especially the leaders out there that uh, are trying to figure out ways to inspire and motivate and uh, and move their company's uh, needle forward. Again, thank you to um, both of you, and uh, I look forward to having you back on this year, Sandy. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Listen, it wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.